You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Monday edition championship. Sunday is over. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, will face off in Super Bowl 55. How did we get here? Matt and I will explore that and there is some big news when it comes to franchise star quarterbacks veteran quarterbacks might be on the move again this offseason as they were last offseason including names like Tom Brady last year so I guess we shouldn't be surprised when superstar names hit the market eventually and Aaron Rodgers after that loss had some interesting comments we'll get into and it's a done deal the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford have mutually agreed to part ways this offseason if the Lions get with their looking for so uh, a ton to talk about on today's program at bd peacock is where you can find me the scout matt williamson at williamson nfl let's start with the nfc which was the green bay packers hosting the tampa bay buccaneers 31 26 the bucks hold on to win that game a number of questions about how that game turned out coaching decisions uh the wide receiver drops uh, what did you see from this Packers team that made them lose to the Buccaneers, or was it the Buccaneers that went out and beat the Green Bay Packers? A really good game, two really good games, and a lot of points. I, I took the over in both. I feel good about that. I thoroughly enjoyed watching these games. Uh, both losing teams had some questionable aggression decisions, kind of as you alluded to, uh, Hall of Famers all over the place. But I'm going to say this about both games probably. The thing that I didn't see coming that I probably would say is the difference, and I'm going to reflect on these games and talk about them all week, but is the play of the Bucks D and the Chiefs D. Like, I didn't see that coming from Kansas City's D, and I know we'll get to that game in a minute. And the Bucks D, to me, made Rodgers rather uncomfortable quite a bit, and it looked like they played more man coverage. Again, this is a real organic reaction to these games. Got some pressure off the edge. Shaq Barrett, Pierre Paul with just bringing four, Vita Vea and Sue clogging up the middle. Uh, I thought the Bucks D gets the gold star here. I think that's a fantastic point. Vita Vea, who had missed so much time coming back and, and playing at a super high level in the middle of that defensive line for the Buccaneers in the corners, playing a fantastic game yeah. there. Um, I think maybe middle of the field safeties is where there might pose a problem against the Chiefs because of um, you know missing some players there. But, man, they played so good on the defensive side of the ball. And it's not super surprising with the Buccaneers because we'd seen it during the season. And the way they played in this game is kind of how they played sometimes during the year. And they just came out and played a really solid game, top to bottom, did Tampa Bay. Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. Gronk making one play when they needed it. Um, you know, Scotty Miller making a play. And the rookie, Tyler Johnson, making a play. Even though there was a couple drops from... Uh, Mike Evans. So it was uh, just a really good group effort from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did not really see this coming the way it, it played out. Uh, and and really the number one thing to me that, that stood out in this game was Tom Brady found a weakness and he's an all-time great. He found a weakness in the Green Bay Packers secondary that was wearing number 20 on his back and he targeted him. And that I think was the biggest Boy. difference in this game. Yeah. Great point. Uh, I meant to bring that up at the start and I kind of overlooked it. And going into this game, I thought Brady's going to have a big day. He just won't throw at Yari Alexander. You know, there's enough other options there to target. Well, he really just threw at 20, like you said. And 
Um, you know, Tampa Bay held the ball for like 10 minutes more. They actually won the turnover battle. Like if you told me those things, I'm like, boy, this was a rout. But it wasn't. And I thought Brady had some uncomfortable moments, but overcame them. You're right about the the depth here, though. I mean, Fournette and Miller and Brait and Gronk and not even just Evans and Godwin, who both had their moments and both had their down moments. But they're a diverse group of weapons. And I don't feel the same way about Green Bay that way. You know, they kind of go as Jones and Adams takes them to some degree in a high-powered game like this. Lost Jones late in the game. Um, and I thought Tampa Bay did a great job on Adams, as good as you can do against the best receiver in the league. And the coaching staff will come under fire here for two major things. It was not going for it on fourth down, giving the ball back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers late in that game. And the end of the first... I I didn't get that at all. Yeah, and and then the the other one was the end of the first half. Mike Pettin, what is he calling there? There's eight seconds left in the half. The one thing you can't let happen, I don't know if it's on... Kevin King, the cornerback who let Scotty Miller behind him on that touchdown pass. If it was the call, which is like, okay, cool, eight seconds left in the half, and you have a bunch of um, defenders in the hook zone, you know? So is it Petten? Is it King? Is it a com- combination of both? There are some huge questions there that could have swung this thing from a coaching perspective for Green Bay. Yeah, you're 100% right. I mean, when he decided to kick the field goal and not go for it, I basically was like, what? You know, like, uh, it was like a, a involuntary reaction for me. I, just, I don't know what words fell out of my mouth, but they weren't good ones, and I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And at the end of the half, I mean, that's that's the play of the game, don't you think? I mean, uh, going into the half with that situation mm-hmm. and really – you had them where you wanted, more or less. You know, Green Bay kind of gives them a gift. And you're never going to get away with that with Brady and, you know, wouldn't get away with Rodgers either. But I thought Brady was the more comfortable quarterback throughout the day, although he had some ups and downs. But you're right. Those two big things kind of fall on coaching or mostly fall on coaching. And and King in general was a liability. Don't want to single him out that that's the reason the Packers lose because Kevin King had a terrible game. But they might want to explore picking up another corner. And I think (laughs) they need to explore picking up another receiver, too. Uh, two things that could have been drafted, say, in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft, maybe. Right, Matt? Yeah. Two, two yeah, positions yeah, yeah. that could have helped them out in the playoffs <laughs> if uh, they didn't draft a player who's, uh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? You draft a first-round quarterback. Is there a plan for him to play? Is there a plan to exit from Aaron Rodgers, which has to be one of the big thoughts right now in the organization? And there's a ton of those thoughts outside of the organization and fans hearing the comments from Aaron Rodgers after the game, and I want to get the quote right here. He said, a lot of guys' futures, they're uncertain, myself included. Is that Aaron Rodgers saying that, you know what, if you guys don't start helping me win now, maybe I need to go find a way to win now somewhere else? Or is that is he talking uh, Is he talking another team? Is he talking no teams? Is he talking maybe uh, introspective about potential retirement? What did you think about the post-game comments from Aaron Rodgers, and then also maybe throwing his coach under the bus saying, quote, I feel like I had a chance maybe to run it, talking about the play on third down right before that fourth down where they decided to kick a field goal and not go for it. He said, maybe I had a a chance to run it into the end zone on that third down. I thought maybe we were going to have four chances to go. Okay, Uh, so that was (laughs) definitely passing the buck to Matt LaFleur. Uh, on that one and uh and he he could have run that in on third down or at least got them in a situation where they had no chance not to go for it if it was you know fourth and goal from the one yard line 
Yeah, I, my initial thoughts on it, and I guess you reading it back, maybe I interpreted it a little different a day later. My initial thoughts were, that's a massive competitor who lost a really tough game and is just frustrated and will cool off and tomorrow will say, let's go get them next year and they'll give them the MVP in a couple weeks or whatever and all will be rosy and they'll draft them a receiver. But, and that's probably true. I mean, I, I this is a side note, but I always think it's a little unfair to stick a microphone in the face of a losing competitor in any sport right after the game mm-hmm. and then take those words as gospel for what's going to happen for this guy's career or an entire offseason or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's not his first rodeo, but I mean, he knows what he's getting into and he's calculated with what he said. So, I mean, I think he did send the message he wants. It also made me think when I heard it the first time, before the season started, did the Packers have a conversation with them and say, this is a potential one and done for you, Aaron. We have Jordan sitting here, uh, give it all you got. And, you know, without the expect expectations that he'd be the league MVP and be a super, be as good as he was. And we'll probably move on from you before, after this year. I mean, was that conversation ever had? Oof. I wonder, um, or is he just saying, I'm thinking about retiring, right? You know, kind of going out on top. Maybe or, he is. Or, I mean, he's not he, young. It's Rivers just did. <laughs> and look, I get drafting a quarterback in the future. You have a 36 year old quarterback who did show some signs last year. It wasn't really expected that he was going to go in the other direction, get better uh, in year two under Matt Lafleur, and have an MVP like season. Not that Rodgers was bad at all last year, but it was like, okay, well, look, he's not young, and maybe let's draft this super talented quarterback. That's not mm-hmm. that crazy. He was on the other end of that to begin his career, too. Right. No, he was that guy. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And Love wasn't the level of, like, Love wasn't that guy who was talked about as the number one overall pick and then fell to 24. He was traded up for, and people weren't really sure if he was a first or second round type of guy anyway. So a little bit different as far as the prospect to me, because I wasn't a huge fan of Love as far as someone you would trade up for when you have an Aaron Rodgers on your roster. Uh, especially when they could have used a corner or an offensive lineman or uh, a wide receiver that maybe would have caught a ball instead of dropping a ball in that NFC championship game. (laughs) But um, Rogers, I I feel like Rogers would still, it would be, it would have to be similar to the Stafford situation that we'll get to later. He would have to force his way out and not, not necessarily in an ugly way, but just be like, look, it's time you drafted a quarterback. You have your plan. Uh, I have my plan. Let me go somewhere else. And and let me give it give it a shot somewhere else because this didn't work and we gave it a go and maybe it would be it would have to be Rodgers maybe forcing his way out and look Packers fans would have to get over it because they got over it with Brett Favre right it's not like they haven't been through this before I just think it's I'm not disagree with you and you're you're probably right that would probably be the only way this goes down but this is so much different than Detroit or Houston I mean those teams stink. Okay. New coaches. <laughs> that, no, good point. No, yes. You know, right. Packers won 13 games last year. They won 13 games this year. They were the favorite at home in the NFC Championship. He's going to be the MVP. Like, times are good in Green Bay. That's a very good point. It's not like you guys are wasting my career because he's, right. he's competing for championships still. That is a very good point. But the solution might be, hey, let's send Jordan Love to the Saints, Steelers, Patriots for a second-round pick and and – you know, go sign Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, or somebody like that, and, and all everyone will be smiling. And really go for it. Okay, I have some more thoughts right. on Rodgers and his comments and, and what it could all mean. We'll talk about it with the Matt Stafford information. Uh, one more quick one, Matt LaFleur. I just want to put his quote out there because Matt LaFleur kind of threw himself under the bus, so I guess he is in lockstep with Rodgers. On that field goal decision, in hindsight, he said, it was just the circumstances of having three shots and coming away with no yards and not only needing 
the touchdown, but the two point, he thought of uh, having four timeouts to get a stop and how defense was battling. So he just thought it was it was easier. The, the path that he chose was easier to get a stop there than than scoring a touchdown that far out on fourth down and getting the two point conversion. And I can see that thought, even though I still disagree Kinda. with that uh, at the time and and also in hindsight. But uh, Lafleur regrets it in hindsight too. So at least he yeah. he sees it like Aaron Rodgers sees it, kind of. I mean, I hope he looks at it after the fact. And again, it's it's the heat of the game. You make a quick decision, and we all get to sit back and hit pause and go get a beer and think about it for a day and tell him what an idiot he is because it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, we got to sleep on it. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, I think if you flipped it, if you were in the Buck shoes and they were in your shoes, you would love to get the ball back yes. to Aaron Rodgers at that point. And then the other thing about that that I think is important is – you give the Bucks the ball in clock killing time, and that's really what your defense does worst. You know, like they don't want to be in base personnel stopping the run. They want to be in dime on third and eight. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're asking them to do what they do worse. That's very true. Although the Packers will give them credit, did did it wasn't the run game on defense that did them nope, in in no, the end. So you're right. That's a that's a minor victory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Uh let's talk. AFC Championship game. Let's talk Bills, Chiefs. We'll talk about veteran quarterbacks, trade market next on Peacock and Williamson. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. I have some big time fitness goals that I need to get working a little bit more seriously on myself because uh, the pandemic was not kind to my waistline and my overall fitness level and echelon can help me it can help you get there echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes fitness mirrors rowing machines echelon stride smart treadmill no matter what your favorite fitness activity echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home the ex7s is echelon's latest state-of-the-art innovation that takes cycling to the next level the world-class instructors will motivate you Thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. And right now, you can try Echelon Fitness Equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's Echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash locked on. Okay, Matt. Bills-Chiefs, AFC Championship game. Chiefs beat the Bills 38-24. Mahomes versus Brady. Chiefs versus Buccaneers in the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Interesting, though, that some similar... And look, this is this is what being a coach... I think it's hard for people on the outside looking in to know what it's like to be a coach. A coach does not want to lose a game early. A coach wants to be in it as long as they can. Sort of a self preservation mode they want to preserve being in the game as long as they can on a Sunday they want to preserve their job for another day for another season as long as they can it's a it's a it will make you into a conservative human being even if you are not being an NFL head coach and we saw it with the Packers decision to go for the field goal and we saw it with the Buffalo Bills numerous times it was like, look, you cannot kick field goals and win this football game. You know, you, you you're not going to kick nine more field goals. And as it turned out, they weren't able to uh, 
to mount enough offense to win that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs will advance to the Super Bowl 38-24. Yeah, and I want to start with the Bills because even the last couple weeks, I think they haven't played quite as well as they finished the season. But you dismiss it as, hey, you're winning in the playoffs, and you're a young team, and this is all uncharted territory for this staff and quarterback and team as a whole and a long time. Wonderful. And I think that's kind of what happened here, too, is the Chiefs are just further along in their development. I think there was a been there, done it factor. I think that the Bills will go back to the drawing board and say, we maybe need to run the ball a little bit more. When we get in games like this, we have to be more aggressive with our our shots and realize 24 points is never going to beat these guys. And even when you have them down and the game started very much in Buffalo's favor, that's just one quarter. That's just a small piece of the pie. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot, like in basketball analogies, and I'm not comparing the Bills. Glad the Bills were a really, really good team to one of these lesser basketball programs. But when you play Duke or North Carolina and you have them at halftime and you're a mediocre program, it's just hard to do it from whistle to whistle when there's so much explosive big play power on the opposite side. And it makes you play different. And I think the Bills need to learn that. But what I wanted to say most about the Bills is really encouraging is I think this is a tremendous lesson, experience, whatever you want to say about Buffalo as they build something big here. And does that mean they'll always fall? Maybe they'll always fall short to the Chiefs because the Chiefs might be the new Patriots. But I think the Bills will look back on the season extremely positively. What Allen learned in the last couple games, you know, Dayball returns. You know, like the Bills are in a really good spot. And I think this playoff experience will really pay off for them. Absolutely. Yeah. There it was almost a little bit of found money feeling to, to yeah, the way the right. Buffalo Bills played. And they were the hottest team coming into this thing, which makes it scary with the Kansas City Chiefs. And we had talked about it all season long. It was like, look, this team had the best record in the NFL. They were 14 and 2 in the regular season. We felt like, eh, they're are, are they going to step on the gas? It felt like they were coasting through the season, even though they're the best team in the league. And then you see them in the playoffs like, oh, yeah, they do have a level. They can step on the gas and turn it on, which is what makes the Kansas City Chiefs so scary with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And, and maybe it's just their personalities. It's almost like the team has taken on that personality in a way of those two guys because they're so calm but so smart and uh, and when they need to, they can just go kill you and go win a game. And it doesn't matter what defense you're throwing out there. It doesn't matter who's scoring points on the other side of the ball. The word you, that jumped out of me is calm. Like in all situations, high leverage, high pressure situations, they, and especially Mahomes, but it reflects through the whole team and Reed has a ton to do with this, obviously, look so calm and they look like they, try new things like, okay, it's a crucial third and goal or whatever. And we're going to do this crazy orbit motion, blah, 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 blah. You know, like all this stuff and we haven't seen before. And, uh, cause we trust it, you know, it's just a, a massive amount of trust and calm and preparation. And the way this quarterback plays is remarkable. And I'm, I bet he was not a hundred percent, but a lot of guys out there aren't a hundred percent in January 20 something or other 24th. Um, but even when the thing about Mahomes, it's crazy to me. There's two things is he makes five to seven to eight throws that we now don't even make a big deal out of. But if Andy Dalton or really yeah, just about any other quarterback, I'm not picking on Dalton makes one of them. You go, wow. Remember the throw he made back in the third quarter. Yeah. Mahomes does it all the time now. 
And then the other thing is when you really watch the games, there's a lot of times where the Chiefs are in a bind after the snap. The defense wins. They had the right play on, but he holds the ball a tick longer to let Kelsey uncover or shimmy somebody loose or throws one against the grain where everyone else was covered and it's his fourth read. Like there's so many times that the defense was right that whoever's in the booth making the defensive calls did his job perfectly and the defense still loses. Like there's a lot of times great quarterbacks make that a, a not a loss, you know, where it's not a, an eight yard loss. It's not a sack. It's not an interception. You throw it away. You fight another day. He gets a first down out of it or, or a touchdown or you know, breaks your back whenever you should have been the one that was right. We talked, I think it was yesterday, there was a question about, uh, not yesterday, but uh, at the end of last week, there was a question about uh, the best tandems of quarterback and receiver in the playoffs, in the AFC and NFC championship games. And, and then when you, and we talked about how, well, if you factor it out to two pass catchers with the quarterback, it has to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And we just saw it play it out. It's so hard to cover these guys. You have Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, throwing to an uncoverably fast and quick wide receiver in Tyreek Hill and one of the top two, at least, pass catching tight ends in the NFL and Travis Kelsey. They had a combined 22 catches for. Uh, nearly 300 Almost yards in that game yeah. and touchdowns. It's like, it's just frightening. They're both so incredibly good at what they do, but Kelsey, Kelsey and Hill are also so different that what defense has enough people to account for both those mm-hmm. skill sets? You know what I mean? Right. You need the, to cover the, the, the middle of the field. Yeah, the way they complement yeah. each other. It's a great point. You have to cover the middle of the field. You have to cover the deep middle. You have to cover the sidelines. You have to cover the... After the catch. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, yeah. It's hard it's to crazy. have those pieces. And I do believe Hill and Kelsey are unstoppable forces right now. Like, I don't care what – I just complimented Todd Bowles' defense. I want to compliment Spagnuolo's defense. But I don't care what happens in the Super Bowl. Hill and Kelsey are going to combine for 200-plus yards. I mean, I know that. I mean, <laughs> right. that's a given now. They do have some people to cover them. Uh, you know, I talked about the safety problem with yeah. with uh, the, the Buccaneers there. They're banged up. That, that could be a problem. And – Conversely, the Kansas City Chiefs secondary, I want to shout them out because uh, the rookie, Legereus Sneed, who left this game with an injury, has been really one of the underrated draft picks in the NFL this year. He was, I think, their fourth pick in the draft this year and, and has played much more of a factor than their first three picks. It was, what, Lucas Nyang, the offensive lineman. They drafted uh, Clyde Edwards-Lair in the first oh, round. Right. I'll take Sneed, a starting cornerback that they were able to steal in, I think, the fourth round or late third round when they yeah. drafted him. I mean, what a great draft pick he's turned out to be. And it really Gay helps. Jr. hasn't played a time, hasn't been that helpful either. William Gay Jr. The, right. I mean, he, oh, he's yeah. definitely been the best guy. That was yeah. the other one. Good point. Um, and then getting Juan Thornhill back. And when you have somebody who can roam center field, and, and Juan Thornhill is so much different than Tyron Matthew, but that's a perfect combination. When you have somebody over the top like Thornhill that has the range that he has, that doesn't have to go make plays on the ball that much, but just can cap the top of the defense. And then you have Tyron Matthew that can do all the other things underneath and and make all the plays on the ball. I mean, the, the way that they have rebuilt the secondary in Kansas City and then have, you know, some monsters up front with Frank Clark and obviously Chris Jones is always a factor in every game he plays in. Like the defensive side of the ball is probably the underrated thing that the Kansas City Chiefs have going for him. So credit to Spags and credit to uh, how this thing has been built in Kansas City to complement the, the powerhouse offense. 
Compliments the right word. You know, we talked about how Hill compliments Kelsey, and they're so different, but they're so good. Well, the defense compliments the offense, no, too. I mean, they know they're not going to be in 14-13 slugfest. So Spagnolo's very, very aggressive and really came after Allen, and it was it worked extremely well. And you're right, their their defensive backs are all versatile. They can drop and play cover two, or they can come down and cover the slot, or play man, play zone, Thornhill. Uh, the Badger, all those guys that you mentioned have a lot of versatility as well. I'm glad you brought up Chris Jones because there's a lot of defensive linemen that you look at and be like, man, he brings it every snap, hustle player, tough as nails, can, you know, eats nails. You don't say that about Chris Jones, (laughs) but when he brings it, wow. And he brought it a lot yesterday. He picks and chooses his spots, which I'm sure, Andy's just fine with because it works fine. And sort of this team does that as well. But whenever he's got it all and bringing it at 100%, he is a force. He got away with taking a swipe at a Buffalo Bills offensive lineman, too. There were, uh, there was a definite swing thrown there. And there was some other chippiness there with the, trying to, the, the Bills offensive lineman trying to stick up for a little bit of a late tackle on Josh Allen in that game. Luckily, they kind of did get it under control at the end. I thought that could have been very ugly at the end of that game with two uh, very competitive teams and Kansas City coming out on top. So we've got Chiefs, Bucks. We'll talk a lot about the Super Bowl matchup in the coming weeks. But next, I want to get a little bit more into these quarterbacks. Could we see Matthew Stafford and maybe less likely, but possibly Aaron Rodgers on their way out of the NFC? I want to throw one thing out to Chiefs fans that I threw out on Twitter before we go, just because I brought up Kelsey. I think it's now a conversation of who the best Chiefs tight end of all time is. I mean, I I, I know there's it's, a lot of recency bias, but I threw that out on Twitter, and I'm obviously talking to Tony Gonzalez. Yeah. Kelsey's just as good. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but Chiefs Nation basically told me, yeah, I know I'm having recency bias, and boy, Gonzalez with Mahomes would have been something, but I'll take Travis. I'm like, yeah, I can't disagree. There, there, the argument is definitely there. And for right now, yeah. Kelsey spent his whole career there and Gonzalez didn't too, which might give sure, him the sure. edge in the end. And I'm sure youngsters would agree with you because recency biased, it's hard to imagine someone being a bigger factor in the passing game. As a run blocker, maybe Gonzalez does. When when you talk about complete game, I mean, he wasn't uh, uh, an, an extra offensive lineman or anything, but maybe nah. more complete. But he got better as a blocker as the age. Yeah. Yeah, ex-basketball player. All right, that's actually a good conversation I think we could dive back into at some point in the coming weeks. But let's talk NFC North superstar veteran quarterbacks next. Starting to realize that there's no bad time to enjoy a built bar. It's how I started my day today. Did not have a lot of time before I had to hit record and get working. If you are low on time, you want a healthy snack. You need to replace a quick meal maybe. You can't do much better than a low-sugar low-calorie, high-protein, high-fiber snack that tastes awesome. And to make it better, I'll tell you how you can get 20% off. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious folks out there, uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These bars are low-calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber, and even great for a keto diet. That peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, only 180 calories and 5 grams of sugar. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. 
not only Super Bowl odds at Bet Online, you can find Matthew Stafford odds. What team will he be going to? Deshaun Watson, NFL draft futures, NBA action, NHL season is now underway, and a million props for Super Bowl 55. There is only one place that has you covered, and you can even get a little welcome bonus. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Not only NFL, there's table games. You like to play poker, blackjack, NCAA football futures for 2022 national champions. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code either. Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Matt, we don't have a ton of time to get into this. Uh, one quick note on Rodgers to wrap him up before we talk about the potential landing spots and what makes sense for the Lions and Matthew Stafford. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is trying to say, hey, I might not be here next year to the Green Bay Packers? Or is he sending a message? And maybe this is the same situation with Deshaun Watson. Like, they could, are they both in a way, sending a message to management to say, hey, look, help me win right now. Or maybe I will try to force my way out. Or, or, or is it actually like I might want out? Is, or is it a savvy move to flex your power to, to be in control of the building a little bit more and actually wanting to stay? I think Watson just wants the hell out. Okay. I think Rogers is, I forget how you just phrased it, but you phrased it really well and I wanted to steal your words. You know, like, flexing his muscles a little to say I'm as powerful as anybody in this building. And remember that team doesn't have an owner. I mean, so they're a little different from the top down than anybody else. And he's earned it. Um, I don't think the Rogers, I think Rogers will be a Packer next year wholeheartedly. Yeah. I don't know that Jordan love will be, and maybe there'll be a change or two, not with the coaching staff, obviously, but with, you know, the people playing on offense with Rogers. What do you think the the Packers' plan was drafting Jordan Love? Because if they didn't see a Rodgers-less Packers in the very near future, then it was a, a terrible draft pick. They or, or were they just covering their bases just in case Rodgers retired or fell off a cliff? Yeah, and that organization has always brought quarterbacks in. Rodgers is the most obvious, but even during the Favre era, there were Hasselbecks and Brunels, and you know guys that 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 that's a a, a philosophical thing going back to, you know, uh, all their GMs and whatnot that when in doubt, that's where I heard that first is it's never a bad idea to draft a quarterback and you should draft one every year, not always the first round. So they do that more than others, but as much as a Rogers fan as I am, and I've been praising him up and down lately, I'm not going to detract from what I said the last couple of years where I thought, Rodgers isn't great anymore. I mean, I said that on Locked On NFL, early years of Locked On NFL, that I hate to say this, it breaks my heart because he's my favorite quarterback ever. But over the last two, three years, I thought he wasn't great anymore. You know, that not that he was disinterested, but he was not playing with this confidence, this command. Um, so I think if you were the Packers, there at least was room to worry that it might be time to move on from Aaron. He's not young. I mean, and obviously this year just erased all that. Matthew Stafford. 
he's he's going to be gone, right? Hey, hey, let's let's yes. go to the reports here because I want to get this right. And there was an interesting wording in some of this that that seemed a little bit odd. So first from Tom Pelissero, Lions and Matthew Stafford mutually agreed to part ways this offseason, and the team will begin exploring trade options in the coming weeks for their star quarterback. Uh, so essentially, it's a healthy situation, no animosity. They've all agreed, look, uh, Matthew Stafford doesn't deserve and doesn't want to go through another complete rebuild under Dan Campbell there in Detroit. So a complete new era there starting, and, and they're going to start from zero. Another report said that the Lions have agreed to trade Matthew Stafford as long as they get, quote, fair market value per league source. If they don't find that, Stafford could still return to the team, but right now all sides are pushing toward a trade. Once they've gone down this road, they can't. he can't come back. They have to take the best deal, right? They cannot, like Matthew Stafford can't play quarterback for the Lions next year if, say, the Lions have some astronomical asking price and, and want two first-rounders plus, nobody's willing to give that up. He can't come back now. No, I agree. I mean, the way I took this was the reports came out that they're mutually, you know, moving on from one another, which is fine by me. It makes perfect sense. And a total rebuild is going to take place there. And I think the writing was on the wall when you give Dan Campbell a, a six-year deal, you know, kind of like your Niners did. You mm -hmm. give a, a, a coach that kind of long-ass deal, it basically means we know you're going to stink for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, that we're not going to try to put band-aids on all these gaping wounds. Let's start over and build this monster from scratch. But then you can't, th then that's bad business. You can't tell everyone you're making deals with that Stafford must go. Mm -hmm. So then you come out and say, Oh, if the deal's right, but we can go through this. I think there'll be plenty of people that are interested in Stafford teams that are interested in Stafford as they should be. So I don't think they're going to have a hard time getting fair market value. And I think there's a 0% chance he returns. What is fair market value? And I look at some teams like, and I got a lot of questions about it this morning from Locked On 49ers listeners. Oh, sure. And, you know, going from Jimmy Garoppolo to Matthew Stafford, what would you have to spend for that upgrade? And you are jumping up a tier in quarterback, in my opinion, but how much is that tier worth? If you're the Indianapolis Colts, you're going from zero quarterback because your guy just retired to Matthew Stafford. That's a lot more valuable, and you're drafting later in the first round. That's easily a first-round plus for the Colts, whereas if you're the 49ers, I could see the argument of them saying, yeah, I want to grip this pick at number 12 overall a little bit tighter. Maybe I'm not trying to offer this one. Maybe I'm trying to offer a two and a next-year one or a next-year, you know, something to make it valuable but not give up this pick. So a team like the Colts just seems like the overwhelming favorite in a trade for Matthew Stafford. Yeah, uh, the thing is about everything you just said there is, Detroit doesn't care what your team situation is. They're just going to take the best deal. They don't care if you're going from yep. Jimmy to Stafford or nothing to Stafford. And you're right. In each building, he's valued different. You know, if you have something in hand, um, New England certainly comes to mind. They're right there with the Colts of going nothing mm -hmm. to Stafford. Yeah. I mean, that makes tons of sense. But I think in the end, right in that neighborhood, a mid-first round value, I mean, is what the Lions will receive for him. Does that mean it's going to be the Colts' first round pick? The Patriots first round pick, possibly, you know, I'm sure teams like the Steelers and the Saints and some of those type of teams would be, you know, their fan base would be begging for this, but they both have cap issues and whatnot. I mean, and they don't have, um, you know, the Steelers probably have been for another year. If you buzz through all the teams, I mean, could he want to go back to Texans, you know, go back to Texas and be in a Texan rebuild if they trade Watson? Could he call Jerry Jones and be like, why don't you let Dak walk and use that money elsewhere and send your oh. 
first for me and a third or something like that. I know they pick pretty early and we'll run it back and I'm a lot cheaper than Dak. You know, no offense to Dak, but Dak's 40 million and I'm 15 or something like that. Uh, that, that wouldn't look so bad for the Cowboys. I did not even think about the Cowboys. That is a really interesting one interesting, that instantly it? jumps up the list for me when you put it that way. And look, when you start talking about multiple picks and Stafford and uh, Deshaun Watson on the market, Dak Prescott, yeah. you have to pay him. But, I mean, if you're willing to give up three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson, what if, under the franchise tag, you you can just go sign Dak Prescott and give up two first-round picks? Like That could not be an insane move for a team that's not the Cowboys to do. See, I can see the Patriots wanting Dak Prescott. Wow. Now, this offseason is going to be a lot of fun, man. I can't I mean, wait. Those are big-name quarterbacks that could be moving. We thought crazy. Brady moving last year was a big deal. Yeah, and these these quarterbacks have a lot more left, although Brady's in another Super Bowl, and he's been he's in... He's going to the Super Bowl, right, yeah. Brady's been in five of seven Super Bowls since turning age 37, which is Aaron Rodgers' current age. That's as ridiculous as any <laughs> Brady stat I've ever heard. Five of seven. Uh, and and by the way, this is the first ever Super Bowl featuring two quarterbacks that won the last two Super Bowls. Wow. And the hometown team. There's going to be a lot of yeah, the, so many fun narratives these two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And I know it's early to say this in his career, but Mahomes is as good as any quarterback I've ever seen. It's it's amazing the start that his career is on. It's pretty crazy. I, I saw a yeah. Sports Center meme that was Yoda with Baby Yoda, and that's what we're talking about with this Super Bowl right now for yeah, us right, right. Star Wars fans out there. Okay, well, we're out of time here. A ton more to talk about with the Super Bowl: Buccaneers, Brady, Chiefs, Mahomes, Stafford, Rogers, Deshaun Watson, quarterback movement. Speaking of quarterbacks, Matt, later this week we are going to dive into your dynasty quarterback and running back rankings and so a lot of these conversations will be i think intertwined in with those conversations as well which will be a lot of fun and we'll be back with your questions tomorrow hit me up at bd peacock tag matt at williamson nfl and we'll talk to you then right here peacock and williamson